Ginny, thank you again. May God bless you. Uh, are you ready to listen to me? Let's listen to the Lord, what he has to say today. But before we do that, we uh, always share with you the good news and not so good news. So we have good news today. How about that? Well, one of our couples got engaged yesterday. Uh, uh, can you guess? Can you guess? All right. Adam and Elisa. Congratulations. Well, would you stand up so we know we see you? Adam, Adam, because you're not so tall. Yes, we'd like to see you. God bless you. God bless you and give you a life filled with joy and service for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's number one. She's a musician, and he is a musician. And guess what? It'd be nice to add her and uh, to the worship team. Amen. Randy should be happy about that very much. I hope he was here. He's sick, and uh, I just called him. He was still sleeping. So please pray for him and his family. They're all sick. But anyway... Thank you all for coming to church today. As I said two weeks ago, we should be a church in every meeting. And you know that? You honored it. We have some sick people, some people traveling. That's fine. May the Lord be with them and bring them back to us safely. I love to see you all this morning. And I hope by the end of this meeting, you will still love me as usual. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Revelations, chapter 2. Chapter 2, Revelations, verse 12. This is Lord's speaking to his churches. One of the church is called the church of Pergamos. And to the angel of the church of Pergamum write, the one who has the sharp two-edged sword says this, I know where you dwell. Where Satan's throne is, and you hold fast my name, and did not deny my faith. Even in the days of Antipas, my witness, my faithful one, who was killed among you, where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you, because you have there some who hold the teaching of Balaam, who kept teaching Balak, Balak was the king of Moab. Balak, to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit acts of immorality. Thus, you also have some 
who in the name, in the same way, hold the teaching of Nicolaitans. Repent. Repent, therefore, or else. I am coming to you quickly, and I will make war against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone and a new name written on the stone, which no one knows but he who received it. May God bless his word. Pergamos. If you listen to me, we'll finish on time. If you don't listen, I have to repeat it again and keep it till 2 o'clock. So I need your ears. Pergamos was the Asian headquarters for the cult of emperor worship. A wealthy, fashionable city of temples. They were known for a medical center dedicated to Esculapius, the god of healing. It was also the political center, and from there all the rulings were made that affected the whole Asia Minor, because it was in Asia Minor, today it's Turkey. There was an immense altar, the altar of Zeus, which I believe was called Satan's Seat and a beautiful temple to Athena. Emperor worship was commanded, was a must. And as early as 29 BC, a temple was erected to Caesar Augustus. This was the first provincial temple dedicated to a living emperor. In the midst of all this, in the midst of paganism, and man-worship. A little band of Christians lived there and witnessed at the seat of Satan. Satan's throne. This significant letter begins when the Lord says, I know where you dwell. Well, let's put it in our language. I know where you live. Christ knows all about his churches. He, is, he knows it all. He knows what every church is doing and where each and every one lives. He knows the address of our church. He has it. He knows the elders, the deacons, the teachers, and the members by name. So we cannot hide anything from him, right? He knows what each one does. Notice. Notice. If we are living where we ought not, he knows about it, and we had better get up and get out. If you are not living in the will of God, you better. Get out right now. On the other hand, God also knows our circumstances. 
There are many saints living in homes where it is not easy to be a Christian. And he knows that. There are faithful believers who must work where they hear men and women blaspheme God. All day long. If you are living in such a work environment, God knows about it. Just hang in there and be a witness. Some are restricted. They cannot move. Often tempted to give up the good fight. And sometimes it's hard to understand them and to have compassion over them. But rest assured, there is one who understands. And he says, I know where you live. The church at Pergamos was located next door to Satan's seat. Can you believe that? Quite an address for a church. Where's your church? Is where? Near Satan's seat. <laughs> Satan is my neighbor. That tells me something. It was not in a secluded area. It was not on top of the mountain. It was not in a forest somewhere. It was in the midst of a wicked nation where Satan lives. And the church should be a witness to this world. It should, must, should not be secluded like we know of many who are secluded and they dedicate so-called themselves to prayers. We should dedicate ourselves to carry the gospel to, whole, to the whole world. That was the Great Commission. Preach, teach, and baptize. The church is supposed, is supposed to be the light of the world in a dark, dark, and evil environment. But in spite of the surrounding paganisms, the church had remained Pergamos loyal to Christ. So they are commended. Listen what the Lord says. You hold fast my name. If you know you're doing what you're supposed to do, take it. You hold fast my name. Are we? Christian, the church that lives where Satan's seat ought to be true to Christ's name. In fact, that is a good place for a church to be, as I said. Christianity is not a man-made sect or a cult like many others think. It's a religion of the per person of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not so much a truth. It is the truth. And that is Christ. Who said, I'm the truth? That is Christ. To be a Christian is to experience a Savior and hold fast to his name. He said, you hold fast to my name. Christians, this is the time where we should hold fast the name of Jesus. Look around us. Christians are being persecuted all over the world. Christians are being mocked even in the United States of America. 
Christians are looked down because they hold the name of Christ. Do not be intimidated, but stand fast. Stand fast. You hold the name of Christ Jesus on high. If you're a Christian, don't cover it. Don't be a closet Christian. Get out and claim Jesus Christ as your Savior, regardless of what happens. And he told them, you did not deny my faith. These are the words. The Christians at Pergamos had been put to the test for their faith in Christ. Some of them even died. And he mentioned that. One of its members, Antipas, had been martyred for his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He, was refu- he refused to worship the emperor. That was a must for every people, for every person. Every citizen should worship the emperor. Now, after all this, here comes the word of caution, or if you want, the word of condemnation. If you want to know how Antipas died, we don't have time for that. I will tell you later how he died in the most horrible death for the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what they used to have? used to have a bull in the center of Zeus, the temple there. And it's hollow from inside. It's all in, into uh, iron and hollow inside. And they put Antipas inside it, his face in the face of the bull. And he's tied, and then they close it. And then the bull was standing on a very hot iron, and they start the fire. And the fire starts getting hotter and hotter, and inside there was Saint Antipas, the saint, the man of God. And when he started screaming from, may God save us, when he started screaming from the pain and started burning and toasting and barbecued in there, then the face of the bull starts His voice goes through the face of the bull, and people would say, "Ah, the bull is speaking. And they bow down to the emperor. That's how Antipas died, according to the Christian writers and history. I didn't want to tell you that because we have no time, but it's good to know how many, not Antipas only, many, they are mentioned in Hebrews 11, some were saw, sawn into two while they were, they were just alive. Some were skinned like you skin a dead cow. Some died by the sword. Many. Because what? They did not deny the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you think we've been persecuted, This is no persecution. We still have our freedom. We still can preach the gospel on a Sunday morning like this. We still can lift up the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Church, this is the time 
where we have to stand up, where we have to preach the gospel, where we have to live at work, at school, at home, anywhere you are, live Christ himself and nothing else. And this is, the church was living it. But the Lord saw, if this church is going to be effective, there are few things I have to tell them about. And maybe, maybe they will repent. And then I'll be happy with them. And this is the word to us. To us. If we are living Christ. And there are a few things that we're not doing right. Or we're following our own intuition. Not what the Lord Jesus Christ says. If we are following the word of God. The word of God. I believe in it once and for all. The word of God. If we are not, then this word is for us. I have, he said, few things. A couple of things I want to tell you. You are some people. Some, not the whole church. And it's always the case. It's not the whole. He says some are holding the teaching of Balaam. I said, Adol, some of you says, I've never heard of this guy. Who is he? He was a false prophet of the Old Testament. When you go home, open the book of, who knows where it is? <coughs> Numbers, chapter 22 through 24. Two chapters, three chapters. Open that. <coughs> Excuse me. And you will know and you will see what he did. I will tell you in brief what he did. Some of them are practicing his teaching. Balaam. <clears throat> there were, let's call them, Balaamites. How about that? The people who live in Moab, we call them Moabites. The people who live in California, we call them Californians. And these people are following Moab, and they are following uh, uh, Balaam. They are Balaamites. And while the church as a whole did not believe nor practice his doctrine, but some, the church allowed some members who did. Stay with me. Our, our Lord is distinguishing also between the whole church and those who are not following the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he commands them. What did he tell them? No. This is not the way to do it. Did, he, did you think he told them like this? No, sweethearts. No, my love. No. He said, without any introduction, without anything, repent or else. Why? Because they were lax in practicing their Christianity. They were trying to be broad-minded. Oh, don't open me up today. I met some of those. Let me tell you about, I, have, I, had, I was talking to a young man 
He was in our church. He's no more. I said, uh, he said, well, Adol, you know, I love you. I respect you. But you're narrow-minded. And I think that some people call me liberal, you know. Some. You're narrow-minded. You should be tolerant. Did you hear this tolerant lately? You're not tolerant. I said, let me tell you one thing. I don't have any tolerance towards sin. And I am narrow-minded toward every word that is in the Bible. I do not try to interpret it to suit my taste or my lifestyle. I understand the word the way I understand it. I live by it and I continue. And the church I am in, I am sure they will continue to live for the Lord and glory of Jesus Christ. He said goodbye. Another guy I was talking to, he said, Adel, Adel, I want to tell you something. You need to enlarge your mind again. I think those who know me, he know I have a large mind, you know. But I don't allow sin to govern my life or the life of anybody in the church. And you need to adjust your thinking. Can you believe that? My answer to this Christian was, Christian people do not live with closed minds. They are very open-minded to anything around them. This is why they know how to live. He said, this is old ways. We're talking still. I said, Christianity is not that old. Christianity is the religion for today, for tomorrow, and forever. And what is written in the Bible, four, six thousand years ago when God created this world. What was written then still applies today. And you know what? And applies to the future. And the world couldn't catch up and will not catch up with what's written in the Bible. He said, you are too militant. How about that? Too militant. As if I were wearing, you know, the uniform. I said, well, I tell you one thing. As long as I live, I stand for the word of Jesus Christ. I've never seen him after that. In Numbers 22, 24, this is the story of Balaam, so you can understand. Israel was ready to make war against the king of Moab. I'll try to make it. The Moabites had heard that Israel did, did what Israel did to the Amorites. They really conquered them. And they were afraid of them. So the king of Moab sent for the prophet Balaam. Balaam. And offered to pay Balaam well if he would curse Israel. Balaam refused to curse. He cashed the money. They bribed him. He took the money. And instead of cursing Israel... He blessed Israel, or he, he talked very highly about Israel. 
But look, what's his problem? But he told the king, there was another way to defeat Israel. He suggested that the daughters of Moab entice the men of Israel to participate in idol worship, in worship other gods. And he decided that if he could not curse them, he could corrupt them. That's the religion of Balaam. He reasoned that God could not bless a sinning people. And if he can make Israel sin, then the king will succeed. He was right. Number 25 will tell you what happened to them. In number 25, open your books with me. We might take a little bit more this time. Open your books. There's a big... While Israel remained in Shittim, verse 1, the people began to play the harlot, Israel, with the daughters of Moab, for they invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods, and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. What happened to those who did that? Look at verse 9. Those who died by a plague. How many? 24,000. God put his hand on Israel. And in one day, 24,000 fell because of their sin. Balaam succeeded. Balaam believed in compromise. He said, what is wrong? Nothing is wrong. You know, you can worship your God, but also you can be tolerant with the others. So many churches today are teaching seminars on tolerance. Do you know that? I know I've heard stories. On tolerance. On to be broad-minded. On to be a compromiser. Compromise. As I stand before you here, as long as I live, I will not compromise the word of God. There's nothing wrong to go to your temple. He's telling the Israelite, worship your God. Worship your God, and your God is a great God. But on the other hand, to live, you know, coexist with the others, we have to be tolerant. Go and be with them as they worship their God. You don't have to do it. And if someone wanted to marry one of their daughters, what's wrong with that? You get them in. And they'll be, they become, they'll become Jews later on. And do, don't you hear that today? Don't you hear that today? A man finds a young lady who is not saved. And what do they do? And oh, you'll, get, you'll save her when you get married. You will save her. Or you will save him. And you, I know you know some. Go to them and ask them. How's their life? What the Bible says, what has, what? 
light to do with darkness. Do not compromise your God. Do not compromise what you believe in. And says, Edel, but we live by compromise. I'm not talking. Like you and your wife are in the same house. And she likes to paint the wall red and you want it green. Okay? And then you com someone compromises. I tell you one thing. If my wife wants to paint the, ho the house inside green, I will say, Sylvia, I don't like it. But this is your domain. This is your place. This is your palace. You paint it the way you want. I spend all day long working, but you paint it. This is a kind of compromise. When I come at night, I'll put my dark glasses. I don't want to look at the green. <laughs> it's not worth it. Or you have your, you have, you got engaged to a new beautiful lady sitting by your side, Adam. I don't like fish, and you like meat. And you want to go to a restaurant. Well, I would ask Adam to sacrifice that day. And I call it compromise. That's OK. But when it comes to the word of God, when it comes to the church of God, when it comes to standing for God, we will not compromise. Be ye tolerant. I'm sorry, I'm not that politically correct. The way of Balaam was the way of compromising with sin. Vance Havner, one of the great men of God, he was a Baptist preacher. He said, we never had more Balaamites in our churches than now. That's a church. Do you agree with that? I do. We call them worldly Christians. Now, I'm interpreting it. Worldly Christians. Billy Sunday used to say, you might as well talk about a heavenly devil. They argue from half a verse of scripture. Have you, have you had some people like this? Well, here's one. They say, but the Bible says, all things are lawful for me. I can drink. I can dance. I can date. I can do anything I want. All things. Paul said it. It's in the Bible. All things are lawful. Half. Half. Out of context. They take half the verse. Okay, let's continue. And never add the rest that states, but all things are not expedient, which is are proper or suitable. They also forget also the rest. They quote, all things are lawful for me, but that's it. But Paul added, but I will not be brought under the power of any of them. You see, but you have to compromise. Compromising the word of God, interpreting the word of God, 
you try to be a theologian? You're not qualified at all. All you need is Jesus Christ to save you. I address these people. And you hear them argue what an old-fashioned Christian you are. I told you about that. But we can answer the Lord's sheep. Hear his voice and follow him. We don't follow man's word. The man who makes sinning his business has neither seen nor known God. Rest assured. 1 John 3, 6, it's there. The Bible is clear. And listen to it. In 2 Timothy 2, 19, let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Period. Don't call it Compromise. Don't. Just depart from iniquity. He says that righteous sees, sees evil, and what does he do? I says, hey, let, come on, come on, come on. Let's see, maybe we can create a compromise here. Okay. He says, the Bible says, and runs away. Compromise is one of Satan's greatest weapons. Against the church today. This is why the church today is, is in such an array. The church is now compromising their stand instead of preaching Jesus Christ as Savior and winning souls for the Lord Jesus Christ. They are preaching politicians and they side with this Tom, Dick and Harry and they want to say, well, maybe we can get everybody to come and vote for Mr. So-and-so. It's not in our church, I tell you right now. When the time comes for you to vote, go vote your conscience and what's good for the country. I leave it there. We're not a bunch of politicians. God did not send the disciples to go, go, go and make politicians in all the world. What did he tell them? What did he tell them, Mike? Go make disciples. I said my words. I'm going to, do, I'm going to be done soon. There's one word set for a true believer. Set apart. You might say dedicated. You might say holy. We are to be in the world, but not of it. We cannot compromise. We lose. I have a story. You ready for it? There's time for it. They're ready. Don't negotiate with these people. When they start trying to prove from half verses and half saying, this man said, you mean to tell me the whole world, all the whole, these churches that have 5,000 and 2,000, they're all wrong, and you, a couple of people, are right? I said, no, not because we're a couple of people. We are 200 people, thank God for that, but because the word of God is right. And we shall not compromise. A hunter raised his rifle and took careful aim at a large bear. Mike, you will like that. When about to pull the trigger, 
The bear spoke in a soft, soothing voice. Don't you hear that all the time? Isn't it better to talk than to shoot? Adol, do you have time for lunch so we can talk? I have no time for you, period. What do you want? The hunter said. Uh, let's negotiate the matter. Lowering his rifle, the hunter replied, I want a fur coat. <laughs> Good, said the bear. Good. That is a negotiable question. I only want a full stomach, so let us negotiate a compromise. They sat down to negotiate, and after a time, the bear walked away alone. The negotiations had been successful. The bear had a full stomach, and the hunter had his fur coat. <laughs> Satan says to you, let us negotiate. But there are some things are not negotiable, not our stand. We cannot compromise the church with the world. Was I clear? <coughs> now how about our church? Repent, he says. Let me ask three questions. Have we been defeated in the work of the Lord by compromise? Ask yourself. Leave it to you. Have we been defeated in the work of the Lord by compromise? Have we defiled our separation? You are a holy nation. Have the cares of the world choked out the fruit of the Spirit? And if so, then the word of God is for us. Repent or else. There is evidence. I think I've said enough, but I want to conclude it with what happened to the church in Pergamos. There is evidence by Christian historians that this message of Christ to his church was received. They listened. I love happy endings, don't you? Soon after the book of Revelation was written, Polycarp became pastor of the church of Pergamos. It was A.D. 167. A cruel persecution brought up by the rulers in, uh, against the Christians in Asia. And for several weeks, Polycarp hid in a cave, at the members, and the members brought him every day food and water. At last, the Romans seized a young Christian and by torture learned from him where the pastor was hiding. Polycarp was taken to the temple of Dionysius and was commanded, listen to this, to sacrifice to the statue of Caesar. His persecutors asked, what harm will it do to make one small sacrifice to Caesar? What harm will it do to have a little bit of compromise? Polycarp, who was then 86 years old, 
He said, for the last 80 and six years, I have served Christ. How can I deny him now? In a rage and fury, the people gathered wood and piled it up against the stake where Polycarp was tied. The magistrate made one more appeal for a small sacrifice to Caesar when Polycarp again refused. The fire was lit and a disciple from Pergamos died for the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you stand up for your church? Would you stand up for the truth? Would you stand up for the faith? Would you stand up for what you believe in? If not, I call you what Jesus said, repent. Stand up for God. Let's bow our heads for prayer. We're called to stand, to keep the faith. And I hope this message will encourage us, speak to our hearts, convict us, and make us the church, like the church of Pergamos, that listened and repented. Our Father, we thank you for giving us the opportunity. Thank you for the freedom that we have in this land. And we pray that you maintain it for us to preach the gospel uncensored and to live to honor you. Bless these families. Bless your church and those who are not with us today for any reason. Visit with them. Bless them. Heal the sick and bring back those who are traveling safely to us. As for us, we trust you for our lives. And as we begin a new week, we pray that we'll be like the disciples of old, to preach, teach, and baptize, and leave the rest to you. Dismiss us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.